Welcome to this edition of NASA Talks. Today we will be discussing part one of NASA's legislative agenda. This podcast was recorded the day after the agenda was released on Capitol Hill. Now let's turn things over to Mike Canning, NASA's Director of Policy and Government Affairs, and Mike Pichek, NASA's current president and Vermont's Commissioner of Financial Regulation. Mike, thanks for being here, and great job yesterday. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you to yourself and the NASA team and Claire McHenry and the Federal Legislation Committee for all their work. I think they put together a great agenda, um, balanced, bipartisan, a lot of actionable items in the agenda. So uh, really happy with it and happy with yesterday's rollout as well. You know, why don't we just just dive in? Um, I think that um, just at the outset, let the listeners know that we're um, our agenda is organized into four overarching principles. Um, and within underneath each of those principles are a few actionable items, as, as you put it. Um, so maybe um, start uh, start uh, at principle one and, and um, lay it out there. That's putting Main Street investors first. And I think that yeah. probably overarches the whole agenda. I think that's right. I mean, in our opening remarks yesterday, we talked about how, you know, when, when our country, when policymakers, when regulators uh, put um, Main Street investors first, uh, that's good for our capital markets, that's good for our economy, that's good for our country, uh, that that uh, really is um, the focus that we should all have as regulators and, and policymakers. Uh, relating to that particular principle, we added uh, some actionable items uh, that Congress could consider, particularly uh, supporting enhanced standards of conduct for broker-dealers. This has been an issue for NASA uh, for quite some time. Um, we are working uh, certainly closely with the SEC. Uh, many states are investigating uh, uh, whether it makes sense for them to introduce or propose um, fiduciary duty standards at the local level. Uh, but importantly, we were asking uh, Congress to make sure that they have diligent oversight of the SEC, uh, their rulemaking process for, for regulation of best interest, uh, and also ensure that it's implemented uh, quickly and fully if there is a final rule. Uh, so again, uh, I think that's an important role for Congress uh, to play that active oversight role uh, of the SEC's uh, rulemaking. Uh, we also talked about uh, financial technology and how uh, Congress should be overseeing and monitoring uh, the developments that are happening in fintech. Uh, there certainly is a lot of innovation, a lot of opportunity that comes with financial technology, uh, but uh, we want to make sure that that's not to the detriment of Main Street investors. Uh, we want to make sure uh, that their data privacy, uh, that cybersecurity uh, is also addressed when we're talking about more online, more technology-driven financial service solutions. Uh, so I think that was another uh, important piece uh, for us. And then, of course, intergenerational issues. Um, we want to make sure that Congress is focusing on uh, millennials. Uh, we want to make sure they're focusing on seniors and all the generations in between. But uh, I'm somewhat biased being a millennial myself and being from uh, one of the oldest states in the country. Uh, these are certainly two de- uh, demographics that stand out to me. Millennials are facing a lot of head- a lot of headwinds. They're delaying uh, big uh, life moments, uh, whether it's buying a home, uh, getting married, having children. They're certainly not able to save for retirement. Um, and then when you're talking about their financial literacy, uh, unfortunately, they, they're not scoring very well, uh, but they do think of themselves as financial experts, which, as we mentioned yesterday, you know, sets them up for bad decision making and bad actors. So we're calling on Congress to, to devote resources, to ask the GAO to study this issue, uh, to look into it, to, to take action uh, if warranted, both on the financial literacy piece uh, and uh, more substantively, if there's other policy initiatives that, that should be implemented to protect and enhance uh, their ability to save for their future. 
Um, on the senior uh, issue, of course, this has been something that's been important to us for a long time. Uh, but I think uh, similarly, we'd like Congress and the, and the GAO to look into the issue more substantively to actually try to quantify the impact to society, the impact to victims, what are the barriers to uh, adult protective services, to law enforcement, to regulators to take action to prevent this, to, to immediately cut it off when we get notices of it? Uh, what are the barriers to seniors reporting it? Uh, I think we really need to do a full analysis of all of those things um, so that we can better prevent it and develop um, policies uh, that really get at the heart of it. So those were really the three core elements that we laid out yesterday as it relates to that first principle. Um, and, um, you know, I think, uh, again, that that's sort of the overarching theme of putting Main Street investors first. But uh, these were very uh, three very important things uh, in that regard. Great. Well, th thank you. And it's interesting, you know, in this principle, I see some of some of the old and some of the new more than than anywhere else in the agenda. I'm um, going back up to the to the first um, item, uh, enhancing the standard of care for broker dealers. You know, this is something that um, that that NASA has been working on since before I joined NASA. Since since I was when I was on the Hill uh, during the Dodd Frank Act, um, NASA was one of the organizations out there pushing Congress to take steps to yep. impose a best inter interest or fiduciary standard on broker dealers. Um, you know, there was a provision included in the Dodd-Frank law that gave some discretion to the SEC to do that. Um, since that time, you know, we've been through an SEC rulemaking, a Department of Labor rulemaking, um, you know, bills and rulemakings in several states. We're still not there yet. It's proven to be a very complicated issue in some respects. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really very simple. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, that's what we were saying yesterday is, you know, when someone goes to a financial professional, uh, they uh, are obviously going to that financial professional for their health and their financial decisions, the future of their family, uh, uh, financial decisions. And they really deserve to know that that financial professional is working in their best interest, regardless of the type of hat that person's wearing. Um, and I think that's a very basic, it's a very basic concept. How you get there obviously has some complexity to it. And we've seen a lot of different agencies at the state and federal level try to tackle this. Um, we certainly are engaging fully with the SEC, trying to get them uh, to be successful as well in solving this. But um, the concept's simple, and and I think uh, I think our you know our members, our constituents resonate to that. Thanks, Mike. I think that's that's a that's a good way of putting it. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we're rounding the corner on this issue, and we will see um, an SEC rule uh, adopted soon, and um, we'll see where things land um, with the various state proposals, but. Um, you know, but work work that's been ongoing for the better part of a decade. Um, maybe now we'll pivot from that to the very new, and that's the other thing I want to mention in this principle. Um, you talk about uh, millennials, but you also you also talk about fintech, um, and this is something um, I think the agenda specifically considers uh, regulatory sandboxes. It considers things like initial coin offering. I mean, this yeah. is stuff that really is is brand new over the last yeah, it's couple brand of years. New. I mean, and uh, you know, with many innovative products. I mean, they all of a sudden try to figure out how they fit into the old framework. And in all honesty, I mean, the old framework has worked well for 80 plus years, if, if not longer than that, for NASA, at least 100 years. And um, I think here you'll see that that, that framework continues to be uh, adaptable and, and flexible. Uh, so I don't, I don't perceive there to be a need at this time on Capitol Hill for Congress to come in uh, and create new regulations or certainly not preempt states from creating new regulations. States have been um, experimenting uh, with uh, regulatory sandboxes, 
I don't think at this time it's appropriate for Congress to go down that route. Um, it certainly, when you do it at a national level, it can expose more consumers, more investors mm -hmm. uh, to the downsides that come with regulatory sandboxes. Uh, I know in Vermont, uh, we have been exploring this idea and other states have as well. Uh, in Vermont, our uh, efforts would certainly couple any uh, regulatory waivers with uh, matching that with consumer protection. Um, it would certainly be a one-for-one, one, in some case, a one-for-two trade-off. So in our case, it's very important to have consumer protections, and we'll see how that works. Maybe another state has a different perspective. Uh, but as those um, regulatory sandboxes at the local level play out, you'll see you know, what is the best uh, avenue to decide to take, and other states can model that, or potentially down the future, um, other federal agencies or Congress can model that. Uh, on the ICO front, I think it's really important for state regulators to continue to have the ability to bring enforcement cases. Our Operation Crypto Sweep was very successful. Uh, and um, again, I think we prevented a lot of people falling victim to ICO fraud uh, and prevented a lot of that fraud at the, at the onset. So it's not, uh, it's not, I think Congress is not the time and the place to take away that type of enforcement authority. Um, and at the same time, states are looking for ways to provide guidance to legitimate ICO offerings, the cryptocurrencies. I know the SEC is similarly trying to provide guidance uh, in this regard. Uh, so that is something we continue to be focused on from a policy perspective as well. Excellent. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, states in the context of regulatory sandboxes. I think uh, Arizona enacted uh, a, a bill uh, last year, becoming the first state to create one of these. Um, and we had Wyoming pass a law, um, I think, late last week. So we'll now have two of them. Um, but it really is. And, and we'll be interested to see what comes out of that. Um, but it really is a, a sort of classic um, quintessential instance in which um, states are acting as laboratories of democracy. Yeah, exactly um, right. And, and, and testing what works and what doesn't um, before the issue really becomes ripe for, for, for federal policymakers. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Operation Crypto Sweep and, and enforcement. It gives me a good opportunity to kind of pivot on to the second principle of the agenda, um, which is uh, ensuring the integrity of our capital markets. Um, you know, we have a couple of items in here, the first the first of which is maintaining the enforcement of and independence of state securities regulators. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, we just touched upon it in the Operation Crypto Sweep context, but it really applies to all contexts that when uh, our citizens back home and our own backyards are being defrauded, we should have the ability to um, fight that fraud regardless of who's doing it, uh, the context in which they're doing it. So that was one of uh, the, you know, the strongest points that we made under the second principle that uh, any state authority should be preserved and uh, federal authority should be preserved. Um, and in some ways, we're also asking for an expansion. We're asking for more fraud fighting tools, uh, particularly having direct access to the suspicious activity reports uh, that are required to be filed under the Bank Secrecy Act. I think this is a critical tool, a critical piece of our uh, enforcement agenda, uh, because having direct access to those reports um, will give us a much greater a much better insight uh, as to um, the elder financial fraud that's happening in our states and our local communities uh, and other types of uh, potential security fraud actions. Um, you saw a recent study by the CFPB that, that highlighted um, elder financial exploitation uh, on these SARS reports. Right. Uh, and I think, again, that just even more highlights the need for regulators who are going to be responsive, uh, who are going to protect uh, this community uh, from this type of fraud, uh, to have access to this information uh, and uh, really excited about that piece of our agenda. Yeah, it's really, it's it's been remarkable to see how over the last two or three years, the attention of 
Congress as well as regulators um, be outside of NASA have um, ha has focused in on seniors and really what's yeah. going on in that space. I mean, NASA, I think one of the things we pride ourselves on is um, we've tried to elevate that issue for a long time, um, going back to sort of the free lunch sweeps in the yeah. early 2000s. Um, but more and more that, you know, um, the intuitions that we had about the vulnerability of seniors, I think, are being proven proven right um, time and again. Yeah. And sort of other other regulators are, are seeing it. And unfortunately, it's not it's not going away. Right. The problem uh, is only getting worse, not because regulators and law enforcement, adult protective services aren't doing anything about it or aren't focused on it. It's just that there's more seniors, there's more mm -hmm. victims, there's more potential for targets. And I think fraudsters are recognizing that. Um, so it's something um, that we need to continue to stay focused on. I certainly applaud Judy Shaw from Maine and, and her work um, and your work uh, on a federal front uh, for having the Senior Safe Act passed. Uh, that was a really good piece of legislation. Uh, like I said, NASA has been at the forefront with the Model Act. We now have 19 states that have adopted right. the Model Act with a number of states uh, in their legislative process back home. Uh, this year, so hopefully we'll get to that. And this is model state financial protection, yeah. uh, senior financial protection legislation. Critical, you know, critical to have um, the mandatory reporting, critical to have uh, the delay on disbursements. These are really tools that we're providing to the industry, in my opinion, uh, to help them uh, protect their clients and partner with state regulators to protect elders uh, in our community. So really important efforts on our end. Um, glad to see other regulators in Congress taking uh, taking note as well. Uh, but like we said, this problem isn't going to get better anytime soon. We need to continue to have a focus on it um, and make sure uh, we continue to get additional tools uh, like access to SARS uh, to be able to fight it. Amen. And and bringing this back to the agenda, you know, another thing that we do call for um, is uh, the reauthorization of certain senior financial exploitation grants from the federal government to the states. Um, it, you know, it, it's amazing how far, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars goes um, at the state level. Oh, it's um, huge. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, in Vermont, you know, we would use that money uh, to be out on the road. Uh, maybe we would be consulting uh, with uh, others to help get the message out, uh, to be developing and honing that message, to making sure that education gets to this community. Um, you know, the reports are showing that when you have educated a senior about a particular type of fraud uh, or uh, about general tactics that are being used by fraudsters, you know, 80% of the time that person is targeted is going to say, you know, no thanks. So that's a really helpful way of getting the message out and having seniors protect themselves. Uh, these are dollars that would be critical uh, for us to do that uh, and to uh, protect our community. Great. Well, let's, um, let's hope Congress listens. Thank you both for discussing the first part of NASA's legislative agenda. Tune into the next edition of NASA Talks to hear about the final two principles, as well as the importance of financial literacy. To read NASA's complete legislative agenda or for more information on safe investing, please visit us at nasa.org.